I was doing time in the universal mind. I was feeling fine. I was turning keys, I was setting people free. I was doing all right. Then you came along with a suitcase and a song. Turned my head around. Now I'm so alone, just looking for a home in every place I see. I'm the freedom man.
Well, greetings everybody. This is Tabitha. Welcome to another edition of White Wellness today, April 14th, 2022, broadcasting out of New York for White Wellness Radio. That song right there, The Doors, Universal Mind, year 1970. A live performance as well. Groovy Stuff, one of my favorite bands is The Doors. So we're back for a live show. The title today is From Trauma to Treasure. And we're going to be talking about a lot of uh, interesting topics today. We're going to be talking about Germanic New Medicine, going into depth a little bit about that a bit more, as well as some other things that um, we can use whilst we are on our healing journey. Because remember, nobody's ever sick. You're either healing or adapting. And what a nice way to kind of reframe things, right? As opposed to being sick. And we've seen so much of this sick this diseased uh, culture since the advent of Oyed AI two years ago. It's mind-seeing to me that people could actually even think that this was, uh, like, still believe in allopathic virology, which is entirely pseudoscientific, you know, un been debunked, rather, over a century ago. I'm sure you're tired of uh, hearing about it, so I won't spend too much time talking about it today. But nevertheless, it's important to comprehend that that fear mechanism is something that really can set us off and form these emotional conflicts, which we know in allopathic medicine as dis-ease. So first, we always like to start the show with the word of the week. The word, actually, we could have been the word of every two weeks. It seems like now I've been doing a show, a live show, that is, every other week or so, and this seems to be a nice, a nice format for me get to do those little short shows uh, whilst I take my walks. So today's word is apple squire, apple hyphen, S-Q-U-I-R-E, and apple squire. In the 16th and 17th centuries, a term for a prostitute's bully, or apple john, who kept sentinel at taverns for her. Eve's relationship with the apple may have influenced and precipitated this expression. Another likely possibility is that the expression derives from costermongers, apple peddlers who work the streets of London and sometimes act as liaisons for harlots and their clients. The related expression apple wife was probably a euphemism for a bawd, B-A-W-D. Interesting. So it's basically a euphemism, an old school euphemism from the 16th and 17th centuries for uh, a prostitute's John, which essentially is a bully. Terrible situation that someone would have to uh, do that. Uh, They have something in is it Sweden? I think I talked about this on one of the broadcasts called the Nordic Model. Of course, it would be the Nordic Model. It wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be the uh, the Kohenim Model, now would it? And uh, it's this program that basically punishes the Johns, not the women who are selling themselves. And they've been able to make good strides by getting rid of prostitution because I don't believe that any woman actually would want to do that. Typically, women fall into a, quote, profession like that when times are hard, thinking about what was going on during a time in uh, Weimar, Germany, when ladies were doing that type of stuff just to make ends meet. And now, of course, we have the left talking about how sex work is work and not to kink shame and that, uh, you know, selling your body for, for work is totally legitimate. Cutting off your body parts is totally legitimate. But of course, that's a Zio-Sludge ideology I'm sure anyone who believes that is not listening right now. So again, the word of the week, apple squire, or the word of every two weeks, apple squire. Before we get into the main uh, meat of today's broadcast, I just want to mention 
a little bit about this new documentary that seems to be going around in the conspiracy uh, areas of the internet. And it's this new documentary that is um, promoting more conspiracy uh, fear tactics for Oyed AI, um, just what we can expect from the system shitstorm, right? So there's this new documentary, and what is it called again? I, I just started watching the first couple of minutes of it, but I already knew that this was uh, Zyos Ludge before I even watched it because, well, at this point, I kind of know the way things work. I'm a recognizer of patterns, as I'm sure you are too listening. So this documentary is called Watch the Water, full movie. Um, remember at the beginning of Oyed AI that they released that thing called Plandemic? I think using that word, that phrase rather, is some type of NLP and PSYOP stuff that they put out there just to be like, oh yeah, yeah, like I know it's fake, like I'll use this word to describe it. So the individual who's putting out this video is a fellow called Stu Peters, who's obvious controlled opposition. He was on uh, Infowars. So this is you know, obviously someone who pretends to like be helping people. And I mean, who knows? Maybe he's just doing it for the money. It really doesn't matter whether at this point, if someone is like a legit shill or if someone just doesn't know what's going on, regardless, they're uh, espousing information which is deleterious to us getting healthy and being aware and not relying on the system. So, and of course they like to say that it's the quote satanic elite who are behind Oyed AI saying that Oyed AI is a bioweapon. Uh, Oyed AI is not a bioweapon. Oyed AI doesn't even exist. So how could it be a bioweapon? It doesn't make any sense. It's the hollowest hoax of the century, just like the hollow hoax is the hollow hollowest hoax of the prior century. So the whole bioweapon thing goes back to that ridiculous story about the bat in Wu-Tang, China, going back like two years ago. The idea that they could have this, you know, vaccination or this uh, viral bioweapon when we know that the only viral bioweapon that has ever existed and will ever exist is called a vaccination. It doesn't work that way. Like, it, it's just, I don't even want to spend too much time talking about this because it's just so, such, such crap, right? It's just such garbage. But now they're saying that snake venom in the water is what really what Oyed was. It wasn't a virus. See how they, they had to come out and say we were wrong about the virus thing? Because now there's all this information basically exposing that there was no virus. Of course, we listening have known that for years at this point now. So, of course, that was exposed. And what do they have to do when they're exposed? They lie some more, right? And they say, oh, gosh, we were wrong. It wasn't the virus. You know, we didn't know that or whatever. So now we have to say it's venom. It's snake venom. Of course, it's not. Um, Oyed AI essentially is just people testing themselves, people manifesting what we know is, quote, sickness in the allopathic context, which is just healing or adaptation or detoxing toxins, Right. So this is just another Nantucket sleigh ride off a cliff to get people fearing drinking water, eating things that have water. Now, should you make the purpose or the extra stretch to get good water, to drink filtered water? Of course you should. Of course. But that's besides the point. And look at one of the links they have for this sludge bit shoot video or poop shoot video talking about this. Some doctor is talking about some anti-shedding treatment. Shedding doesn't exist. It's just like they're using the word antibodies in this. Antibodies are just a sign that your body's been poisoned. So this is so on point with all of these narrative words. 
And it's probably just another way to create some type of medicine that's going to poison people, right? That's the name of the game. That's what allopathy is. And also, I should make this distinction. I'm not sure if I've been clear in regards to when I'm talking about allopathy. When I'm talking about allopathy, I'm talking about other suffering. I'm talking about going to Dr. Z and using Dr. Z's other suffering um, of your, quote, symptoms, which is really your healing or your adaptation or your detoxing, and using Dr. Z's whatever, cut, burn, poison, pills, shots, whatever the fuck they're selling, using that. That is allopathy. If someone breaks an arm or a leg, that's not allopathy. Allopathy is treating symptoms with poison. Oops. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> that was something. Uh, I have this really cool thing. It's like, it looks like a melted snowball on like a suction cup and it's all glittery and it fell off my my mirror. So that's what that noise was right there. But yeah, that's what I mean by allopathy. I'm not trying to promote any, you know, any aspect of it, but I'm, I'm sure that we understand, or I hope that it's very different if someone is in a position where they're needing some type of like uh, emergency uh, intervention, as opposed to someone being on, you know, the payroll of Dr. Z and just the hamster wheel, essentially just getting all these quote, you know, treatments for their quote symptoms. And, you know, eventually it's like you go in there and your foot hurts and then you can't take a shit and you have a headache. Like that's what allopathy is essentially. Right. And of course they love to decompartmentalize everything. You go here for your nose, here for your, here for your heart, here for your liver, right. Constantly keeping people in this con game, as opposed to realizing that the body is this whole system Remember, disease is neither contagious or genetic, okay? The allopathy is built on that. It's to gaslight us. And this snake thing, this watch the water, further gaslights us. We're being gaslit around the clock right now, the transsexual agenda. Uh, we were gaslit with the whole, like, George Floyd thing. I mean, we're being gaslit 24-7, the Oyedei thing, which is still brewing in the background. I mean, even when I'm out, I still see people wearing the costume. I saw a woman the other day wearing the gloves. And I was thinking that, even if someone has like tons of money, like they're a millionaire or whatever they are, they're driving like, you know, the fanciest new Porsche or Mercedes. They've got, you know, all this fancy jewelry. How rich are they really in a spiritual sense if they're walking around with a fucking muzzle on and gloves and like a, a, a face shield? Like that person may have all the physical money in the world, but they have no spiritual richness because they're a slave, essentially, right? interesting thing to think about. So yeah, don't waste your time with this Watch the Water movie. It's a bunch of uh, Zio sludge. It's to make you afraid. And it's also to sell their, um, their quote, treatments. And of course, we know that microbes facilitate healing, right? I'll say it again. Microbes facilitate healing. Virus, bacteria, fungi, and parasite facilitate healing. If we wipe them out with something like ivermectin, all we do is suppress the healing or the adaptation, and then we have to deal with it later. Buy now, pay later. But since most people are totally and completely afraid of contagion and genetic dis-ease, we believe the lies that Big Z puts out. So this show is going to talk about ways that we can turn the terrible things that happen to us, you know, and make us stronger and make us better people, essentially. And also a little bit about Germanic new medicine, which is Aryan medicine. Because um, there's so much out there. I know I've said this so many times, but a lot of it, even if it looks like it's holistic, it looks like it's radically holistic. 
it's still coming from that allopathic perspective, unfortunately. And it's, it's, it's one of those things that it's like, it's so encompassing. It's like the water that we um, swim in, the air that we breathe. It's so much a permeation of society that oftentimes we can't even see that we're in it, right? It's almost like the whole thing with the Skeksis. Like we're just permeated with this that we can't even kind of separate it and see, oh, this is the hidden hand. Oh, everything's been inverted. So hopefully this show will act uh, as an antidote to that. So yeah, um, don't waste your time. Again, don't waste your time on this Watch the Water movie. This is just more Zio fear porn. Um, and this is the newest thing to basically promote the idea that the quote virus was real. And we know that that is not true. And when I say that the virus doesn't exist, that's meaning in their context. Do we still use microbes to facilitate healing? Yes. Okay. So that's completely and totally different. So just wanted to make that uh, distinction because I see a lot of people saying there is no virus, but they're not telling us how microbes facilitate healing. Maybe they don't know. Maybe they're not telling us. Maybe they want to uh, divert us with all of this kind of fear porn fanfare and never really tell us how the body works. Or maybe they just don't know yet. Who knows, right? We're all learning every single day. I'm learning every single day and I hope you are too. Oh, and something else I wanted to mention too, that's kind of part of this whole Oyed AI culture. It's, uh, it's this treatment that's been brewing for, mm, I guess about 10 years, I would say. And I got something to the house recently and this is very much in line with the whole injectable culture. And now um, a lot of these places are popping up, uh, you know, in New York where they do IV drips. Has anyone ever heard of this before? Intravenous uh, vitamin or vitamin, if you're from across the pond, therapy. Typically they'll have these bags and it's all synthetic vitamins or vitamins. So it's, it's really not stuff that we should be putting into our bodies because then we put these synthetic um, vitamins into our body it depletes our, you know, stores of the actual vitamins that we get from food-based supplements or from food. Of course, you can get some benefits from it, just like you can get benefits, you know, from taking certain, you know, drugs or poisons, but it's a buy now, pay later situation. And they sent this little advert to the house where they were kind of, you know, talking about their things, like usually a typical one called a Myers cocktail, which is, um, I think it's ascorbic acid, so it's not like literal vitamin C and a couple of other things. That's one they've been promoting for a long time, a B vitamin one. They promote it to people who have been out the night before and they got pissed drunk and they, they're feeling really shitty. They'll even come to your house or your hotel room, actually, and give you the IV drip there. But they showed this picture on the back of the advert they sent to the house and they showed this guy like getting the IV drip and he just looked like a fucking junkie. And I'm thinking like, this is part of the allopathic oyedei junkie culture, right? you got to stick a needle in your arm to feel better. That's the only way to feel better, whether it's a vaccine, whether it's an IV drip, whether it's whatever, a biological medicine, whatever it may be, a hormone injection, all the trannies are doing all this crud, but it brings us back to reliance on Dr. Z. Even think about this when you're on your mobile device and you're typing the word medicine, what comes up as the emoji? a needle or a pill, right? Not a herb, not an affirmation, right? Not, not a beautiful piece of food. No, a pill or an injection. This is the culture, right? This is the culture. They want us to have full reliance on this for everything. And it's so traumatizing. I mean, 
the amount of yitrogenic or doctor induced harm every year that happens, especially to like youth in the, the, the dental milieu is just absolutely astounding. So yeah, this IV drip thing, these customized IV hydration and wellness, this is just more of the Oyudei um, culture, right? Gotta stick something in your uh, subcutaneous tissue in order to feel good. Sad, sad that people fall for this. I actually, believe it or not, had thought about doing this uh, at some point many, many years ago. And um, I looked into it more and I was like, Ugh, I don't think so. And people can actually have some pretty strong uh, healing adaptation or uh, detox reactions where they'll break out like in hives or some of like, you know, skin irritation because of all the synthetic vitamins. And they offer all types of things, migraine, hangover, prenatal, uh, quote, immunity, food poisoning, detox. Um, and they're pretty expensive too. This goes like, I think for like over like $590. What? Holy hell. That's insane. Wow. Imagine. So they come to your house and like, who has this type of money to pay for this? Like I looked into the place a while ago and it was like $150 when I looked into it. Um, but wow, that is incredible that people are actually willing to, I guess people spend a lot of money in pursuit of what they think is uh, wellness, but they're actually just um, sadly poisoning themselves, you know, sad stuff. Um, but yeah, avoid this at all costs. Maybe you were on the fence, uh, thinking about doing this. If you need to get your vitamin levels up and you want to do it quickly, there are many other ways to do it in a holistic, natural way than to do, um, this. And you can do it on your own or, you know, working with um, a skilled practitioner, you know, someone like me or, or someone who, who understands how the body works, um, but yeah, just something I wanted to mention because this is getting hot and trendy these days. It's probably trendier on the coast. Like, I don't know if this is like happening, you know, in the middle of the country or in more of like a rural area, but on the coast, the trends always come to the coasts first. So this is, this is big in New York. It's probably big in California and like, you know, San Francisco and Los Angeles and, and all that stuff. Um, and also, you know, don't live a life where you need to do this type of stuff. Like, you know, getting, getting pissed drunk or getting shitty and then taking all these, you know, synthetic vitamins and something has to be looked at um, for that in the first place, right? So a little bit there about the Oyedei culture of IV uh, drips. Okay, we've got some people in the chat. We've got Epiphany right here. We've got uh, Tulian here as well. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from Trauma to Treasure. So just a little bit there. It's a little bit of Oyed stuff. I... I'm so tired of talking about this, this Oyed AI stuff. I'm sure, I'm sure you listening are probably fatigued with this stuff now too. It's, uh, oh gosh, it's, uh, it's fatiguing because it's like, ugh, people are still doing all this. And, you know, a lot of places that you go, most people, they either wearing the mask or they're not wearing it. And typically no one gives anyone any, any guff for, for not wearing it. So at least, at least we're point we're past that point where people are like getting really up in people's faces and stuff like that. So at least that is good. Um, but still it is, uh, this thing is just kind of still like hanging around, still lingering. It's still part of the culture, unfortunately. Um, 
But you know what? I don't really think about it too much these days, to be honest with you. I really don't. Um, I don't really look into it. I just don't. Like this just happened to kind of, uh, I was sent a video about this and then I saw it in a couple of other areas on Tomogram. So I thought I would take the time to just mention this in case anybody who was maybe on the fence and possibly somewhat confused, maybe new to the broadcast and wasn't really understanding how uh, allopathic virology is pseudoscientific, how the whole bioweapon thing from a viral perspective is impossible. Now, could they put be putting like poisons in the environment via like chemtrails or other stuff and putting poison in the food? Certainly. Um, that's to be expected at this point. There's a lot of poisonous stuff that's out there. That's why it's important to really, you know, be a very discerning uh, customer when you're buying your food and making sure that you're getting stuff from a really good source because there is a lot out there that could be very uh, deleterious, especially a lot of these additives. Like I think that's one of the worst things in food these days are the additives that they add to food. So something that you definitely want to look into. I've talked about this on a lot of other broadcasts, but it's important to be aware, but not fall for their snares because there's going to be it's going to be ongoing snares for a long time. I think that's just kind of the way things are because they have to keep us in this like state of being devalued, which is oftentimes in dramatic new medicine, a conflict state of devaluation, which people will hear it, feel it rather in their bone, in their joints, in their ligaments. So like all of that is tied to devaluation. So the name of the game is to keep people in chronic stress and make sure that they feel devalued, right? Because then they're going to feel very minimized. And of course, all those beliefs that they tell us like that, Oive Carl Sagan will tell us that you're just a tiny speck in the whole universe. Like that's to devalue us telling us things like that. It's definitely to do that. They want us to feel that we're small, that we have, um, you know, no power, taking away our personal power and don't ever listen to those things because they're not true. But if you hear something enough and you're already in a state of fear, you might start to believe these things, unfortunately. Okay, so let's move on to one of the first topics of the broadcast for today. And it's uh, titled, uh, True Healing is Not for Those Who Are Not, <clears throat> pardon me, not committed. And yeah, that is um, true. That may be a statement that people might kind of squawk at or get kind of kind of offended, but that's that's what it is. Like really, any uh, journey is really not for those who are not committed. But today, the fo the focus and the topic is um, healing from the traumatization that has happened to essentially, I would say, all of us. Of course, some of us got a, a lighter treatment. Some of us maybe might have had a more gentle childhood. Maybe some of us weren't exposed to as many psyops, exposed to uh, less intervention with the medical community. So everyone's got a different level of it. But if we all grew up in this industrial society and maybe ate some stuff that wasn't so great for us, watched a lot of uh, Talmud vision, I mean, these are all ways that they can kind of infiltrate um, us. I was just having a conversation um, prior to this with somebody about how the Garbage Pail Kids of the 1980s, remember the Garbage Pail Kids that were kind of like the Cabbage Patch Kids, but like in like a, a nasty or a dirty way. I had all of these as a kid, all these uh, Garbage Pail Kids um, cards. And now for some reason, they're worth like a lot of money on the secondary market, like on eBay and, and things like that. But 
looking back at some of those cards, gosh, they were vile. There was actually even one that was like a tranny that I always was kind of like really uh, creeped out by, but a lot of them were very vile, like an obese child, a child that was starving, a child shaving their face off, um, a child like like one called Adam Bomb, like blowing this bomb out of his head. Um, one of them like picking its nose and like its, its finger going through its nose. So a lot of these are just... Think of all the imagery we saw when we were youngsters. If you're like, you know, like a like a uh, older Gen X or a younger Gen X, like older millennial kid, kind of the person who would get this, you know, the garbage pail kid reference. We were exposed to so many things visual that can cause this trauma and kind of, I don't know, shape our, our reality on certain topics as well, right? So again, true healing is not for those who are not committed. Real long-lasting health is about a total lifestyle change. It's not about popping a pill or managing symptoms, which of course is what allopathy is. So the goal is long-term healing. It's not just managing symptoms, which of course from the dramatic model, we know that that is just managing the healing or the adaptation. And then what happens is when you treat the symptoms, you end up prolonging the healing. I know it's very radical. It's a very radical shift to see the symptoms which we see as sickness or illness to see that as healing. But take the example of a bacterial detox like a cold, right, which is a healing or an adaptation. If we could see that already from the, um, the model of, of what microbes do, then we can see other things as that from the healing modality, right? The microbes thing has just the, been the main focus for the last couple of years with this whole OYDAI hollow hoax. But we should be able to see this modality play out in other ways as well. And I'll give some examples as we go on in the broadcast. So healing is not for those who are not committed. Health is really more complicated than we have ever known. It's not just about popping a pill or eating a salad a day. It's not about running yourself ragged at the gym or starving yourself to keep super lean. Real, long-lasting health is about a total lifestyle change. It's also a paradigm shift mentally. I think oftentimes we could be doing all the, quote, right things, eating the right stuff, exercising the right way, good sleep. But if we don't really have that paradigm shift, I think oftentimes we can go into what Germanic New Medicine would call a hanging healing. Like let's say someone who's got a quote autoimmune disease or a pretty serious digestive illness like colitis or Crohn's, that would be a hanging healing. Healing is about eating as clean as you can, eliminating toxic people from your life, changing your household products to less toxic ones and healing the deep emotional traumas. So oftentimes it's a lot easier to buy some healthy counter spray or some healthy laundry detergent to swap your conventional food for some, some organic food or some farm food. But it's more than just that. It's about healing these deep emotional traumas. It's about accepting that true healing takes time, energy, patience, hard work, and faith. And of course, a lot of people don't want to hear this. I know this from working with people for off and on for about 20 years. A lot of times when people see you for, um, for wellness counseling and things like that, they really just want you to actually heal them and say, you know, oh, you're going to tell me what to do so I can be better, which is what they're used to when they see Dr. Z. Dr. Z walks into the room. He's got his white coat on, you know, he, him, or they these days, right? And he says, hey, take this, do this. And the person's like, oh my God, you're my savior. You've saved my life. Thank you so much. And like I said, sometimes those things can help temporarily, but it's going to kind of prolong the healing phase, right? 
So that's kind of just more of a band-aid. And oftentimes band-aiding things will create more issues in the long term. And then of course you'll go back to Dr. Z in a while and they'll say, oh, your condition has gotten worse. Like the biggest psyop or scam this happens to, and this is just, this is so terrible, especially to do when someone's really struggling with their mental health and they can just feel completely just unraveled. When someone's already like depressed and they go to see Dr. Z and they get like the white pills for depression, and they go back to Dr. Z in like a month or two and they're like, the pills aren't working. And then Dr. Z says, oh, that's because your depression is getting worse. You need more pills. Maybe the pill was making it worse. And maybe when you went into Dr. Z's office and it didn't even give you eye contact and just said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and scribbled something down, you felt more devalued and your conflict got worse and you got more depressed. Kind of makes sense to me. Many of us have taken up the responsibility of healing in full. It's not an easy path. And again, it's not for everyone. And that's true too. This is also something that is hard to grasp for a lot of people. And this was a hard one for me to grasp too, especially um, working with some people who, like I said, they just want you to fix them. But this is kind of wild. But sometimes when people have been in a, you know, a healing crisis or an adaptation or what allopathy would call sickness, and I'm going to keep on saying that over and over again so we can kind of shift our paradigm from the new to the, the old to the new. It's important to the repetition of that. But a lot of people, they're comfortable being miserable, which is kind of hard to understand for people who would be like, well, fuck, I don't want to be miserable. I want to feel amazing, right? But some people, they're comfortable in the stead of just not feeling well. They're whatever, their depression, anxiety, whatever healing adapta or adaptation phase they're in, they're comfortable with that. And oftentimes it becomes their identity too right like people who identify with you know having an autoimmune disease and this isn't to deride anybody who's dealing with a with a major like uh, biological uh, crises right now it's 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 never like that on this show i'm just trying to show an alternative perspective of how we can truly heal ourselves so that's something that i oftentimes will see with people they're comfortable in their misery which is it's unfortunate Many of us have had years, decades, and generations of damage to undo, certainly. This isn't going to happen overnight. Even though it is not usually our fault that we ended up this way, it is our responsibility to fix and break this cycle, especially for our children and future generations to come. And that's really important. Like, let's say something really fucked up happened to you when you were a youngster. It was not your fault, right? Number one. But it's still your responsibility to fix it. I know that's a lot sometimes to hear, but that's... Who else is going to fucking fix it, right? Yeah, it was terrible that it happened. It should have never happened. But who's going to fix it if you don't fix it? So you really, really part of this radical shift in healing is taking responsibility. It doesn't mean that we were, you know, we deserved what happened to us. No, it's nothing like that. It's just that we need to take the responsibility so we can break the cycle so we don't pass this on to our children or future generations, right? Because oftentimes people pass on these bad patterns, these bad diets, and then we say, oh, it's, it's genetic, right? Alcoholism is genetic. It's not. It's the bad patterns. It's the multi-generational trauma. It's what the evangelicals call generational demons. That's what we pass down, okay? A phrase that is going around a lot now is pain travels through generations until someone is ready to feel it. And this resonates um, because people who really believe this are in the healing journey for the long haul. 
They accept that we've got the work to do and many of them are willing to put a, the work in because it's not just about us at this point, it's about learning how to be truly healthy and imparting this knowledge on future generations to come. Like one of the reasons that I do what I do on this broadcast in my own life, in my own healing journey, working with clients is because I want to change the tide, right? I don't want people to suffer. I don't want them to make the same mistakes that their parents and grandparents did, right? And oftentimes we get so hung up on just looking at the bad stuff in our lineage as opposed to celebrating the good stuff, but we don't want to repeat those patterns. And sometimes, that's unfortunate, you end up becoming the black sheep or maybe the white sheep of your family because you know, you're like the pariah because you're the one who's kind of like, you know, pulled the tablecloth out from the table. I mean, I've been a pariah for a while, I guess, you know, in, in many, many a different ways. But, um, you know, I still I still live a good life. And that's really what it's what it's about. But it, it, it really takes that shift of willing to do this work. And you may be seen as a bit of a feather ruffler, you know, amongst friends and family for doing this work. But you're doing something that is not only helping you, but helping your family. And I think ultimately helping your race as well and just helping the entire ecosystem. This helps This helps every living thing on the planet when we take responsibility and, and we want to heal and be better and be optimized. What's more Aryan than that? Think about it, right? Doesn't Aryan mean noble or people of the stars? What is more Aryan than that? Doctors of homeopathy and herbalists and true holistic healers have known for hundreds of years that healing is a process. We have layers to peel back, and these days, are, and these days, our layers are thicker than our ancestors were. Yeah, unfortunately, that's true. In healing, we know about the healing crises. In most literature, you would find that most of the time they claim this reaction should last at most three days. It could last a long, lot longer than that. Because we have so many added worries, generational trauma, generational deficiencies and toxicities, genetically modified organisms, massive amount of vaccination, overuse of antibiotics, pharmaceutical drug use from early age, pesticides, herbicides, EMF, chronic infections, which of course is, is a healing reaction. But there's still so many things to heal. And I should mention this too. In dramatic new medicine, we talk about emotional conflicts or shocks and then emotional conflicts basically being the basis of dis-ease. This does not include three things, injury, malnutrition, and poisoning. So if someone like bangs their hand on a hammer, that's an injury. If someone is poisoned with you know arsenic or something, that's literal poisoning. And if someone has malnutrition from, you know, eating a really bad diet, you know, multi-generationally eating a bad diet. I mean, most of us have issues with malnutrition. You could always do a hair mineral analysis if you're interested. That's just one modality. It's not necessarily like uh, ironclad, but nevertheless, you can kind of get a feel for yourself and then you can work with a practitioner and have them kind of go over it and say, okay, this is what you're deficient in and how can we fix this? Because I think when we really kind of move together uh, real ancestral nutrition and we meld that with dramatic new medicine, I think we really have a really firm foundation for, for true radical Aryan healing. So our goal is long-term healing. Our plans are designed for true long-term healing. And that's really what it comes down to. Mineral balancing is a big thing too. Uh, when we have more minerals into our system, we don't necessarily experience the deleterious effects of heavy metals. And of course, everyone has different heavy metal loads in their body from, you know, many a things, right? It could be from maybe drinking some foul well water, vaccination, amalgam fillings, um, tattoos. I mean, 
using a lot of like beauty and cosmetic products, you know, eating, eating like fortified food. So everyone's going to have, you know, taking birth control, taking, you know, Zio sludge supplements. Cause I would say probably hmm, 80% of supplements or even higher are total Zio sludge. So mineral balancing is definitely part of, of the healing. And I think that actually really helps the emotional healing too. And also if anyone has a history of taking any judical pharmas, especially all of these uh, depression and anti-anxiety medications, these deplete minerals so badly. So that's why people, after they've been taking those for a while, and I think originally those were only designed to be utilized for like six months at a time for like just like a little clip to get someone recalibrated, not that I'm promoting it, just saying it how it is, that they get so depleted, their minerals get so depleted, what happens? They get more depressed, right? And they crave, you know, kind of like typically food that's really not so great for us. They'll, they'll crave, you know, low, low level um, or low vibe carbohydrates and low, low level lipids and they'll miss out on getting any of the proteins. That's typically what a lot of people's diets are these days. It's indigestible um, carbohydrates and uh, low quality lipids, very unfortunate. So that was the end of that little piece there about true healing is not for those who are not committed. And it really is is a journey, you know, it's, it's multi-faceted. Um, and if you're born in this world, we have a lot to unravel, but it could be a great, journey of getting to know ourselves and to be like walking on hot coals the entire time there are certain points of maybe you know one's healing journey or one's adaptation journey or detox journey whatever you want to refer to it as where it may feel uh, rather intense but in the long run you're going to be doing a great service for yourself your friends your family your race and every living being all the flora fauna other humans who, who live um you know here so something to consider there. And it's not selfish either. Something else we talked about, I think on the first trauma show, it's not selfish um, to indulge, even indulge is probably the wrong word to use. Self-care is not selfish. It's, um, it's needed, right? It's needed. You need to be able to take care of yourself. And of course, some might think that this kind of is a bent on the whole, you know, individualistic kind of Zio culture. And I think we all have the right to be individuals, but also we kind of want the greater good for, you know, for the, for our racial brethren, but not at the expense of ourselves. Right. And especially nowadays where who can agree on what, right. Especially within the confines of the quote movement, which of course, if you're listening to the show for quite some time, you know that I don't want anything to do with that movement. Uh, and also something too, I should mention, it's definitely part of one's healing journey and spiritual awakening to become a racialist. And that's, that's fantastic. It doesn't have to, you know, be coupled with vitriol for other races and, you know, using racial slurs and all that. I'm, I'm not interested in any of that personally. You know, I'm a true national socialist, a true esoteric and holistic racialist, but that's not the top tier of awakening. That's just part of the journey. So to think that like, oh yeah, I know, I know that the white race is, you know, being fucked over and our history is not what it is and that, you know, there's different differences between the races. Yeah, sure. There are, that's 100% true. I agree, but there's more to healing and to having these spiritual awakenings than the racialism thing. It's very much an integral part of the process, not trying to downgrade it in any regard, but there's so much more like how many people who consider themselves racialists are still tethered to allopathy. Think about it right? Still tethered to all the Zio sludge agendas out there, still tethered in, in one way, shape or form. So it's one piece of the puzzle. It's highly important. And of course, not to get caught up in all that Zio sludge vitriol. They want you 
to get caught up in the vitriol. Like think about the whole thing with the Floyd thing, which I think was a total and complete psyop. I think they were all actors. That Floyd character was a pornographic, pornographic, pornographic uh, film actor, a hip hop artist, whatever. They wanted people in the quote movement to basically use all these racial slurs and say, oh, that terrible, you know, whatever, like he deserves all this type of stuff. You know, the cops are doing the right thing. That was all just to test you, right? Remember, they're, they're working for your reaction. Big Z always wants your Pavlovian reaction. Pavlov was an oyve, by the way. Abused animals, terrible. But anyway, they are looking for your reaction. So if you think that racialism is the pinnacle of things, it is more than that. Very important part of the journey. Can't be underestimated how important it is to have you know, pride and care and self-love and, you know, wanting to connect with, with, with those of your racial brethren and kin, but it's not the only show in town. There's way more than that. And one of the reasons that I got fatigued with the whole racialist thing is because I saw just so much low-level behavior from these people. I'm thinking, I'm not going to align myself with people who think there's a fucking virus. <laughs> Are you kidding me? So yeah, um, there's something beyond that, beyond that, you know, beyond being, you know, pro-white or white nationalist is white wellness, essentially. Okay, so that was a little racialist rant, and then true healing is not for those who are not committed. I think we will take a little break right now because I am feeling thirsty. I need to have a little bit of honey, and we will come back for a little bit more um, from Trauma to Treasure. I am your host, Tabitha. We will be back after this song. I'm 
Nancy Sinatra with these boots are made for a walk-in back in 1966. That video is so 60s. Has a good intro too. So we are back. Uh, I am Tabitha. This is White Wellness Radio from Treasure to Trauma. And I see that Country Girl has joined us in the chat. Hello. Nice to see you in the chat. So yeah, we're talking about trauma. We're talking about healing. We're talking about this all from an Aryan Germanic new medicine perspective. Oh, and something that's pretty interesting too. When I was looking into Germanic new medicine, I kind of like, you know, I, I've been, I got first acquainted with this back in 2019 and actually did a broadcast about Dr. Gerard Riki Hammer, who was the founder of Germanic new medicine. But at that point, I really didn't totally grasp it. And I focused more on, on his life and his his friction that he had with the um, the Oive Skeksis system. And he ended up, I think, losing his medical license and being arrested. And he eventually died after he had a stroke, which was probably from dealing with all the conflict of, of the Skeksis allopathic uh, system, shitstem, unfortunately. But I was looking into his life um, again. You know, you know stuff and you forget it. And then you like realize it again. He actually has the same birthday as me. It's pretty cool. Of course, he was part of the silent generation and I'm generation X, but, um, you know, a generation between us and many, cause he was kind of early in the silent and I'm the, I'm the last year of gen X, but yeah, we actually have the same birthday, which is uh, it's pretty cool. So he's a Taurus. I'm a Taurus. Hitler's a Taurus. Some pretty cool people are Tauruses, I guess. Right. So something else from the dramatic new perspective or the new, new medicine perspective about how inherited trauma shapes your health. And of course, in allopathy, they would say, oh, this is just um, genetic. You know, like I remember after my dad died with, not from, with colon cancer after he was given the allopathic treatment of the cut, burn, and poison, I remember um, allopaths telling me, oh, you should get a colonoscopy at 40 and not 50 because cancer is genetic. And I really didn't believe a lot of their shit at that point. I didn't know what I know now, of course, because, you know, we learn and hindsight is twenty twenty, of course, but they were trying to fear monger me into um, being knocked out and getting Dr. Z to shove a camera up my bum. And I wasn't interested in that. And I'm 41 now and I, I still don't have any desire to get knocked out and have Dr. Z take a look at my bum. So it's, uh, it's not going to be happening. But anyway, inherited trauma shapes your health. A new study on Civil War prisoners adds to the evidence suggesting that our parents and even grandparents' experiences might affect our DNA. And yeah, especially if uh, our mother was like gestating us or holding us, you know, in her body when we had some of these conflicts occur. Um, there's a lot to be said for that, especially when it comes down to like things like birth defects, right? Of course, I think there's also a nutrition aspect to this, which we have to keep in mind more heavily nowadays, especially moving forward, because there is so much multi-generational malnutrition. Back in the day, this wasn't nearly as much of a thing, but we have more poisons now and we have more malnutrition these days. 
And I think this article is from the Atlantic. I think they go into like talking about the hollow hoax and that affects, you know, people's DNA. But I mean, anyone who's been in any type of unsavory situation, of course, I'm not, you know, saying that the hollow hoax happened, but anything that puts people in a situation, even just being in one of those camps during that time could have been a trauma for some people, right? Or it could have not been. They could have been playing racquetball or something like that. But of course, the article starts out with something about the hollow hoax. We know they always use that as part of the frame for everything. They love to throw that in whenever they can. And you know what? Here's something too. The whole story of the hollow hoax actually functions as a a biological program or an emotional conflict and it actually can shape people's DNA and make them believe stuff that isn't even true. It doesn't matter if it's true or not, just like the whole slavery thing, how blacks think that we whites are responsible for slavery. It doesn't matter whether it's true or not. It has shaped them just like Oyed AI and all the trauma of Oyed AI. It doesn't matter if it's real or not. It has shaped them, right? Like the people who are supposedly afraid in fear of seeing someone's face without the costume on. Doesn't matter if the virus is real, fake, didn't exist, does exist, doesn't fucking matter. If people believe it, then it becomes an inherited trauma, right? So really, reality is really up to the viewer. And if they believe something is heinous and terrible and all this type of stuff, that's going to be inherited trauma that shapes their health. And they're going to live out these biological programs because of the shock of the trauma. And they're going to have all these conflicts and all these healings and the adaptations to work through. So in, in a way, we're living in this world where there's like, I don't know, 20 or 30 different realities going on. But it just goes to show how the things that we believe and how they affect us and how they possibly could have affected our ancestors, people like currently living in our family. Like I know a story of somebody who grew up in an orphanage and um, the one, the one brother was not the least bit like didn't have bad feelings. He actually thought that the people who took care of him there were really nice. And he's, you know, he's, he didn't think of it as a negative experience. Then the other brother saw it as a negative experience. And then the one who saw it as negative experience actually is no longer alive. And I think the one who didn't see it as negative was the older one and still alive and, doing okay at like 90, 90, 91. So our perception of things is a real big key of our health. You could eat all the, all the good food in the world, right? You could eat all the, all the raw cream, you know, all the, all the good stuff, whatever you want to eat, whatever you, whatever your diet is, you know, all, all the scallops, you know, I'm just talking about stuff I like right now, all the mangoes. But if you have this like terrible mindset, I mean, what's that doing? right? You're not even going to be able to digest that food. Like someone who has what they call in Germanic new medicine, an indigestible morsel conflict, they're not even going to be able to get the nutrients from the food. Like someone who has colitis or Crohn's and they lose like all of this weight, it's because their body can't even get the nutrition in because they have a morsel conflict that is so indigestible that they just can't even like basically assimilate the food or the victuals and have it become, you know, part of their body. Cause once we eat the food, it becomes our blood, right? Yeah. It's, um, the mind is a powerful tool. And of course they know that they use it to their advantage to do things to us that are, that are very, very bad, very deleterious. This article really isn't worth, you know, going through with a fine tooth comb, but nevertheless, I think you get the idea that, the things that we experience and how we frame that experience and the things that possibly our ancestors experience 
could give a totally different perspective on things. Like someone may stub their toe and then laugh and say, fuck it, who gives a shit? Somebody else, it could ruin their week, right? And sometimes the people who really get very hot under the collar about um, about all these things do do better, do do less good. But then you also have to consider if they're going to be so reactive, where the littlest stress will really hurt them. Then you have to think about you know maybe they're in a situation where they need some type of minerals or more more nutrition because oftentimes when people are stressed and malnutrition is a stress. We may think that someone giving us the finger in traffic and saying fuck off is stress. Yeah, it certainly is. But being malnourished, being hungry, having blood sugar fluctuations, waking up with no appetite, these are all forms of stress, right? We just don't necessarily see it that way. This article even goes on to say, um, here's an example. It's a Europid example. Other research in humans has suggested there's something beyond our genes and environment that's affecting our health. But the Civil War study is one of the first to study the effects of war specifically. The Hunger Winter studies in the Netherlands of 1944 showed that people conceived during a partially brutal winter famine where adults were eating 400 to 800 calories per day were more likely to have heart dis-ease as adults compared to those who were in the womb during the more prosperous times. Of course, that could be tied to malnutrition as well. Perhaps more surprisingly, the children of men who endured famine whilst in the womb were more likely to be obese because they had that scarcity mentality. And I guess the body went into starvation mode and they just tried to eat, 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 eat to get as much, um, you know, nutrition in, which of course, oftentimes that's safety. I think oftentimes when people are, are very large, it's not because they eat a huge amount of food. Oftentimes people who are obese don't even eat a lot of food. It's just they eat the wrong thing and they binge and they're using that food as kind of like a protective like cloak. Let's see some other studies they have here. They're saying that stress from racism could cause epigenetic changes. People who have experienced racial discrimination have more of a type of epigenetic challenge called methylation on the genes that affects schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, asthma, than people who do not. So there could be some conflicts with how you're treated, whatever you want to define as, quote, racism. I mean, what about when the Irish came over to America and they were like the first slaves called indentured servants before any of the Skeksis, you know, went to Africa and brought uh, Africans over to North and South America? So that could definitely um, affect this methylation thing has uh, been a hot thing for a lot of people calling it the MTHFR gene. I, I call it like the motherfucker gene, but that could also be from malnutrition, right? Because when you're feeling stressed, you will burn through your minerals and everything a lot quicker. And then that could manifest as these, you know, these kind of mental and physical diseases but why were you stressed in the first place? It's based on, I guess, per perception, you know, what's inherited as, a, as an emotional trauma or a generational demon. So a lot, a, lot of, um, a lot of interesting information here. It kind of takes into account what Dr. Bruce Lipton talks about when he talks about epigenetics and how, you know, it really kind of blows out the whole genetic theory, which Big Z, that genetic theory, Big Z has, has been brewing that up since the 60s. So a lot of the stuff we see nowadays, you know, because if we're born post 60s, you know, it was just, we're inculcated with it. We just think, oh, this is the way shit is. We don't really know one way or another, right? 
but they've been brewing up this stuff for a long time. And now we're at the point in history where everyone thinks that microbes cause disease and that cancer, diabetes, etc., are, you know, genetic. That's why typically when you see Dr. Z, they ask you, you know, do you have a family history of whatever, right? And I remember, like, after my dad passed away, I was intent on not having any of like these these ailments happen for me right so then i kind of went off the deep end and tried all these uh, intense you know fasting modalities and all of these things just to so it wouldn't be you know my life or my fate and doing all that got me completely subsumed and totally kind of off track in a lot of ways from just eating a normal healthy diet i mean i think plenty of people listening can relate to all of that zio diet culture or diet culture which is on uh, YouTube, right? I mean, how many people have gone from vegan, vegetarian, ketotic, carnivorous, paleo, you know, fasting, um, some type of low carb, whatever, different type of low carb, like just, you know, a high, high carb, low fat. I mean, there's so many of these regimes that people think this is the next panacea, this is the next savior, you know, and we all like have been exposed to that terrible diet culture, which gets worse and worse all the time. That's a huge trauma right there. That can be a conflict, just being in that diet culture, being afraid of food, you know? I mean, we've had a diet culture probably brewing since the 60s, but now it's really, really bad. I mean, there's probably like 10-year-olds on diets and stuff like that. And of course, no one says, just eat real food. I mean, it's a red flag if they're telling you to cut any any macronutrient uh, out of your diet, that's a red flag. Some people actually do better with certain foods than others. Yeah, and you figure that out as you go along and you can get a, a mineral test and figure that out. You can get a food sensitivity test and all that jazz, but it's actually eating a real diet as opposed to just, you know, cutting out a huge macronutrient. I mean, if you cut out carbohydrates, your body's going to make them for you through a process called gluconeogenesis, which is a stress on the body. And that could be traumatizing to the body that can keep you in a lot of conflict. So we want to avoid these types of things, you know, but the idea of just eating real normal food is supposedly not chic. You know, I mean, I think it's coming back a little bit. I think with some of these, these metabolic um, nutritionists that are out there and stuff, I think it's kind of coming back. But then again, there's a lot of uh, Zio sludge kind of pushed into that movement too because that word could be used to describe a low carbohydrate regime one that you know has carbohydrates so you really have to it's hard that's why it's good sometimes to work with somebody or just here's an idea don't watch any videos of diet culture just don't just eat what you want and maybe find a cookbook from like pre-1960 when people still ate like normal food that's probably the best bet right there so yeah, a little bit about inherited trauma and how that can shape all of us. Remember, it's not genetic. It's just the generational demons, for lack of a better word, that can definitely hold patterns for us. Or how about the fear a lot of people have? Like, let's say someone lost a parent at 55. A lot of, you know, adult children think that's going to be when I go, you know, because the parent died and they can't fathom being older than the parents. So that's that's another fear that hangs over people's heads. Right? There's so many fears in this culture that keep us from, you know, basically moving from trauma to treasure because they want us in this fear spiral. Whether it's, you know, Oyed AI was, was actually snake venom or, you know, disease is, is genetic. I mean, there's just so many snares to keep people traumatized. And of course, it's by design. It's always by design.
Ah, crazy shit. What a wild time to be alive, isn't it? When you really think about it, um, it really is a wild time to be alive. But a good time. I'm, I'm thankful for being alive right now, actually. Um, I don't know if everyone else feels that way, but I do. Oh, it just started raining, too. It was, it was a super warm day today um, in New York. Really, really warm. Kind of definitely feeling like spring today, which was, which was quite good. But um, now it is raining. I hear it uh, coming down. It's actually very nice to hear the rain. Don't have to listen to the YouTube videos of rain, right? All right, let's take a Gandhi at the chat. And um, Country Girl is saying, yes, we are malnourished and now it's body acceptance. Yeah, that whole, that whole body positivity movement, that's not a good thing. I mean, should we loathe our bodies? No, that could actually cause more conflicts and make us feel more, you know, devaluated long-term, but the type of bodies that they're promoting to us to accept, you notice how Zog always promotes extremes, either someone who's real thin, who's like a total skeleton, or someone who's like a land whale, right? It's never just like a normal, healthy body, you know? They gave it up and fat acceptance. No, have you seen now how um, these people who go to Dr. Zog now who are like plump and like, I guess, don't want to know how much they weigh when they get the physical, they hand Dr. Zog this card that says, don't weigh me. You know, my, I'm sensitive. Don't weigh me. You don't need to know my weight to know my health. I mean, the, this, this, this professionally offended aspect of the culture is just like, it has to go. Like <laughs> people are offended by so many things these days. It's like, and that makes people feel emotionally fragile. And then that causes more conflicts, you know, and then they, then they get, quote, sick or they have to do a healing or an adaptation. Yeah, it's uh, sick in society, Country Girl is saying. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are just, I don't even know if people are, like, physically, quote, sick. I think they're just, they're mentally, you know, I mean, you could, you could go schizophrenic just looking at, like, you know, just scrolling on Telegram could make someone probably schizophrenic. You know, or whatever, whatever they call that. I mean, it's of course Zog just likes to give these names for things, right? Of course, someone who's 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 in that is in a severe conflict. But uh, yeah, it's very easy. I actually stopped following some of these like very degenerative channels where like it was like you just all like black pill stuff. Like you know, we know this stuff, right? I tell, I tell, tell myself we know this shit. Like why why am I, you know, why am I doing this or even covering it? Like I don't even want to cover this stuff sometimes. You know, like. And in a way, when you keep on talking about and covering this stuff and just sharing it incessantly, what happens? You're creating an algorithm, right? You create an algorithm for them to basically, like, promote then. So, like, you don't want to be part of their AI algorithm in any way, shape, or form. Stop talking about and stop sharing their crap, right? Just see it and say, okay, bullshit, right? Fucking bullshit. On to the next thing, next, right? Okay, so what else do we have for this um, broadcast? I saw some crazy crap yesterday. Speaking of um, Sio Sludge, the newest thing they're telling people now is that um, premature ejaculation can be cured by getting your penis zapped. Uh, I think if that was a cure, it's only because your penis isn't physically capable of, of performing anymore that you would be able to not... Um, get premature ejaculation because you probably wouldn't even be ejaculating in the first place. So this is the type of stuff like the New York Post, total trash rag, by the way, New York Post. It always has been, but now it's like even, it's like the Inquirer now, essentially, you know, 
But that was a headline I saw yesterday. Um, cure for uh, premature ejaculation, zapping your penis. And then I saw another thing, too, about how, oh, my God, there are 5,000 species of viruses teeming under the sea. So in, in the sea, there are a horrifying map. Ooh, horrifying map reveals 5,000 new viruses lurking under the ocean. Oh, my God. Yeah, okay, sure. Imagine. I mean, it literally is the Inquirer at this point. I mean, who, who would believe that type of shit? I mean... <laughs> things are just, yeah, I mean, we really do have, like, a polarization of realities right now. Like, there's so many different realities in this world. Um, choose your reality very carefully, right? And here's a good quote from Dr. Melissa Sell, who's a German, uh, Germanic new medicine uh, practitioner. What you say inside your head all day is what your life is made of. The word becomes flesh. So, yeah, people who are obsessed with the next PSYOP, obsessed with debunking the next PSYOP, like, move on. You know, who cares at this point? Like, focus on yourself. Oh, and something else I should go over. This is a, actually a very um, important little thing. Before we get into the German new medicine part, I just want to talk about reclaiming the self and self-neglect. And this will kind of lead into the whole dramatic new medicine perspective, because it's really about taking radical responsibility. And I would say even when we have this, you know, racial awakening of like, you know, being an Aryan and wanting to do better and, you know, wanting to optimize, wanting to be noble, that's reclaiming the self in a lot of ways. And I think when we, when we hit it really home, we're melding all of that with the dramatic new medicine perspective, and we have that with a good diet. I think we're really going to be getting somewhere where a lot of headway can be made. So here's a little list about reclaiming the self and self-neglect. So when you reclaim the self, you have clear boundaries. When you have self-neglect, you people please and you can't say no. Next one, reclaiming the self. I tune inward to see how situations, people, and interactions affect my energy. That's pretty wise. Self-neglect. I am not connected to my inner world and seek external validation. And of course, I think a lot of the anti-social media culture really revolves around external validation. Is it good to see that your post got likes and shares? Certainly, but that shouldn't be your only reason for, you know, feeling good. You should be able to tune in inward and see how you feel as opposed to seeing how the external world gives you validation. Reclaiming self. I'm willing to be misunderstood self-neglect. I mold into whatever is needed or expected of me. And we see a lot of normies doing this. People who are maybe like on the normie fence, right? Who like maybe no, but like just don't want to like, you know, ruffle any feathers. Well, at this point, even breathing is going to offend somebody, right? Reclaiming self. I'm worthy of following my purpose regardless of what that brings up in others. Self-neglect. My purpose is hidden under codependence, caretaking, and emotional addiction. And like I said prior in the show, when we were talking about healing being hard work and only for the committed, a lot of people would rather be codependent, caretaking, and emotionally addicted than um, feeling that they're worthy and working on their purpose, even if that ruffles the feathers of others. So something you have to decision you have to make in your life. Reclaiming self. I embrace my shadow self and I'm radically honest about how I behave self-neglect. I blame, deflect, and project in an attempt to stay safe but remain stuck. And of course, that's the opposite of Germanic New Medicine, like I was saying earlier. Just because a fucked up, terrible thing happened to you wasn't your fault. Your responsibility to fix it. Reclaiming self. I am actively reparenting and unlearning and focusing on conscious awareness. Self-neglect. I am in a fight-or-flight mode, 
from my past and consistently seek distraction, which is of course super easy. We have so many distractions or addictions today. We have anti-social media. We have just the web in general. We have all the forums. We have pornography. We have shopping. We have gaming. Um, what else? Gambling. Um, the actual literal drugs, food, um, sex addiction, um, exercise addiction. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things out there that can distract us and keep us from working on the true healing modalities. Actually, even a lot of, quote, therapies out there are actually distractions. Like, I think in some regards, like maybe a little bit of, of chat therapy can be somewhat helpful for people in the beginning, just so they feel that someone else kind of understands them and, and sees them and kind of like said, oh, okay, you're not, you're not crazy. You know, that's, this did happen. But if you keep on doing that and going over and over and over and over and over and talking about all these things that rewounds you, they say in Germanic new medicine that a skilled Germanic new medicine practitioner will not want you to bring up all of the ills constantly of yesteryear, like all the things that, you know, caused caused the conflict, the shock that caused the conflict. They don't really want to focus on that because when you focus on all of that, what are you doing? You're rewounding yourself. You talk about over and over and that didn't, didn't happen and that you have to erase it from your memory and you're not going to be validated in it happening, but you get into this hanging healing phase and you get into this rewounding thing. People who have spent like what, 15, 20 years, like going to therapy they just keep on talking about the same thing over and over again, like it's a screenplay, like they're playing it out again. And where's the healing happening? It's not. They're just rewounding themselves and they stay in fight or flight mode and they basically are constantly seeking distraction. That's actually a distraction when you think about it, as opposed to actively reparenting and learning and focusing on conscious awareness. But that takes work. It doesn't really take that much work to sit on someone's couch and just, you know, talk about something that happened. Like, that doesn't really take a lot of work, especially if you've been doing it for years. In the beginning, it may take work to kind of, you know, actually vocalize what happened if you're, like, still scared to talk about it. But long term, that's, I think that's an easy way out, to be quite honest. So, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of good themes that we could discuss for this show um, and how just to kind of reframe stuff from this Germanic perspective, which I think is is so important moving forward because there is so much uh, sludge out there that is deliberately put out there to keep us from uh, finding our true power. Of course, uh, why would they want us to be powerful, right? That doesn't really behoove uh, Big Z for people to be self-sufficient and powerful. I remember a lot of the stuff that Big Z puts out, essentially everything, it's all just based on theories, right? It's not actually biological law. The thing about Germanic New Medicine, which makes it so groovy, is that it's actually biological laws. Like, these things are, like, universally true, right? As opposed to Big Z telling you that this will cause cancer, this is genetic. Like, if that was true, then every person that had a certain habit would get cancer from that habit. The reason people get cancer from certain habits is because of other factors and because of the emotional conflicts that they have. Here's a good dramatic new medicine uh, perspective uh, post from Dr. Melissa Sells page. Your emotional experience is constantly informing your nervous system about the safety or danger of your environment. And yeah, it is. I mean, how many of us have had a conversation with someone, whether it be online, in real life, on the phone, where we just felt like our stomach just like totally turned, right? 
I mean, this probably happened to all of us, right? Or maybe we got butterflies in our stomach because we were um, just, you know, really like just happy or just, you know, really just like in this like giddy phase. So yeah, we our, our emotions definitely can influence how we feel. That's why to say that it's only food that can cause an indigestible morsel conflict or, you know, a digestive illness is is not really on point. It's it's the conflicts that exist within the confines of the human being. And here's a good mood, mood, yeah, that too, a good meme that kind of expands on what we're talking about. So we are not meant to live in a perpetually stressed state. Of course, that's the goal of Big Z. We are not meant to lose our connection to the earth or endlessly scroll into social media, nor are we meant to eat junk or processed food be addicted to Netflix and chained to a desk, hate our bodies, feel like shit, live in fear or be isolated. We are meant to be happy, find love, take vacations or holidays, love what you do, expand our minds, have peace of mind, use food as medicine, spend time in the sun, take time for relaxation and reconnect with the earth. And yeah, the, the future they have for people, especially in like the cities or the smart cities, whatever, whatever they're calling the sludge these days, it's, it's, it's not um, for the human to thrive. It's uh, the antithesis of such, but that's um, something that we basically have to buck every single day, whether we're cognizant that we're doing that or not. It's just what we have to do. And I think that a lot of just kind of surviving to the next phase is going to be creating this this new consciousness of resilience as opposed, as opposed to falling prey to all of the psyops, which is exactly what they want. And here's an interesting perspective of kind of like what a cold would be, or maybe what someone would say, oh my God, I have symptoms. I have AI. I should run to the med center and get that stupid fucking test. So here we go. Sick, runny nose, sore throat, trying to figure it out to heal. What are the tips? So more, many of us, probably all of us have experienced that at some point, right? Especially maybe in the last two years. So what do you do when you have a runny nose, a sore throat? You don't need to figure out how to heal. Healing is programmed into your body. So that's something that we need to remember. And also remember that our body is not attacking us. So the whole idea of like an autoimmune disease is a hoax. A big Z calls it that because they don't want you to know that, that the things that they've been putting out there for years were causing you emotional conflicts and toxicity and malnutrition. So, so your body is already programmed into healing. We're like a super computer. These symptoms are indications that your body is healing. Remember, sickness is healing. A sore throat is the repair phase of a cannot swallow conflict. A runny nose is the repair phase of a stink conflict. Look back at the days prior to these symptoms and look at what annoyed you, frustrated you, irritated you. What couldn't you swallow? You must have resolved this situation or chilled out about it for these symptoms to develop. Kickbacks, relax, and allow your body to do this repair work. This is another layer of Oyed AI. I mean, of course, I've been saying on the broadcast for a while that of course, our body will manifest these microbes when we're feeling, you know, going through a toxic thing, whether it's, you know, coming in contact with a toxin, eating sludge, having bad emotions. But this kind of takes it back further to having these conflicts and then seeing that the, quote, sickness is really the healing or the adaptation and that your body is programmed into healing already, as opposed to, you know, running to get some poison from Big Z because you just want to get rid of the symptoms because you fear your own body. That's how they get people. Um, that's how they've been getting people for a long time now. That's a little bit about how that actually works from that dramatic new medicine perspective. Okay, moving along for today's broadcast. Let's take a Gandhi. 
Um, someone's asking, so what is the topic? Um, today we are talking about um, trauma. We're talking about Germanic new medicine, talking a little bit in the beginning about um, Oyedei or the, uh, the virus crisis. So yeah, we're talking about a lot of stuff to deal with um, just kind of becoming healthier humans, becoming better optimized Aryans. That's essentially what the topic is. Yeah. Okay. So moving right along with some more information for today's broadcast. What else do I have? I've been saving up notes for a little bit of time here for the today's show. Okay. So we talked about true healing, but the dedication and responsibility necessary for true healing. We talked about how inherited trauma will shape our health. What else do we have on tap for today? Okay. We talked about all that. Okay, so it looks like it's time to talk about Germanic new medicine. Actually, we've moved into that. And I think I had some other notes, but I think I'll save those for another show when we'll talk about um, the heart-mind connection, but just too much to cover for today. And that's about just the connection from the heart and the mind. It'll be another expansion on this uh, Germanic new medicine perspective. This is this is very interesting stuff. And like I was saying earlier, I found out about this stuff back in 2019, but I really didn't fully grasp it, or maybe I wasn't ready to grasp it. Sometimes that's said about Germanic new medicine. So now I feel like I've really gotten uh, a good grasp on it. And of course, it really depends on who you're listening talk to it, uh, talk about it. There's a gal on YouTube that I thought had... A real, has a really good channel, actually. I enjoyed a lot of the stuff that she was saying. Let me see if I can just find find her videos. Um, let's see. In the history. history. Oh, there we go. Okay. So her name is Danielle M. Bryant. Uh, she's British. And just really good breakdowns of Germanic New Medicine. Uh, and, of course, the last mini show that I did was a, kind of like an introduction to some of the biological conflicts, what we call dis-ease in allopathic medicine, and the emotional causes or conflicts uh, and how that happens. So yes, this gal, Danielle M. Bryant's small YouTube channel, just 180 subscribers. I was able to find it when I did a Jugal search. Um, and she has a Telegram or a Talmudgram channel as well. Um, and she also has a lot of articles and things like that on her blog. I will post this in the show notes. So I will post the link uh, in the show notes. And I actually will post it right now in the chat. But there's a lot of inf interesting information here about indigestible morsel conflict, which could be any digestive ill from diarrhea, constipation, IBS, IBD, colitis, Crohn's, colon cancer. And of course, there is a food component to these as well. I wouldn't say it was just, um, you know, just a cut and dry type of um, emotional thing. I think that the food really plays a big deal because, of course, the food can affect your emotions and your, your hormones, right? So it's, it's definitely a multifaceted thing. Country Girl is saying, be back soon. It's dinner time. If not, I will listen to the rest on my live stream for everyone to hear. Oh, great. And enjoy your um, dinner. I'm having leftovers tonight. I'm having bison bolognese, which I made um, a couple of nights ago. But it's all done, so all I have to do is warm it up, which is nice because I cook so often. Oh, and by the way, happy Easter, Ostara, to everyone who's listening. Um, even if you celebrate it just, like, culturally, like, I'm 
I'm not Christian, but uh, I guess I'm culturally am because I celebrate all the holidays. You know, I don't, I don't really care. I just like to have great food and spend time with family. That's what I'm motivated to do. And I love to cook and I'm making a great menu this year. I'm doing a marinated pork loin as opposed to ham because I couldn't find a ham without um, all like the disgusting additives. So I'm doing that. I'm making this, this cheese platter with this cheese, supposedly like this top cheese in the country in America. It's like the top cheddar cheese. And I'm also going to be featuring a cured hog jowl, which they call in Italian guanciole. So I'm going to have that on a cheese platter. I'm making this roasted carrot uh, frittata. And I'm making a chocolate pavlova with mascarpone and berries. A pavlova is this dessert that was named after this ballerina, Anna Pavlova, who was Russian, but it happens to be a dish that's very popular uh, down under or down under, as some of those people say, in um, Australia and New Zealand as well. So that is what I'm having for Easter Ostara. I hope everyone is, if they're doing something that day, is eating something amazing, spending a great, joyous time with uh, friends and family and just enjoying life, right? That's what it's all about. Okay, so there's that link right there for um, Danielle M. Bryant, who's a, who's a dramatic new medicine practitioner. Really great videos. There's a playlist on her page about all the dramatic new medicine videos. So you can go on there and just, uh, just take a gander. And she also has a Telegram channel too, which is, which is linked in the, uh, in the thing. Small channel, only 136 subscribers. I just, uh, I just joined at this moment, but yeah, this is really important stuff this dramatic new medicine stuff, especially in, in light of Oyed AI, because who knows, they could have more of these fear psyops like coming in the future years, right? I mean, who knows? So it's, it's important to arm ourselves with this information. And, and typically dramatic new medicine um, practitioners will say, learn GMM, GNM before, you know, something happens, before you get, quote, sick. Learn it then so you don't actually start fearing and freaking out and, you know, running to, to Dr. Z and all that type of stuff. So figure these things out now. I think that's really uh, an important thing to, to emphasize, figure, figure it out now how the body works. Epiphany is saying the year I was born, my birth occurred on Easter Sunday. Oh, that's interesting. Cool. So you were born on a Sunday. I was born on a Saturday, I believe. So, um, that's interesting. What, Pretty cool time to be uh, to be born, I guess, right? I'm just sipping on some kefir, some sheep kefir. It's pretty strong, actually. Mm. Good stuff. Always need to snack some fuel for the broadcast. Okay, so moving along, talking about uh, dramatic new medicine expanding on this topic. So here's a little bit about it. And of course, one show, you know, talking about this for the however long the broadcast like goes for, I can't, you know, possibly cover everything out there about it. So I'm just going to cover what I can cover about it. And we can touch on this again. I can start to use this uh, template, you know, as talking about things more as time goes on, it will just be another layer of area and optimization on top of all the other topics that are already discussed on the broadcast. The best way to describe it. So there's five biological laws of nature in dramatic new medicine. 
And that's how it works. Like they always say in, you know, in allopathy, this is a theory, you know? So five biological laws. We can just go over this very briefly. Okay. Here we go. So the five biological laws. Let's see where that is. Hmm. That's not it. I just want to find something very kind of uh, quick to just talk about it. Let's see. I thought I had a link for this prepared for the broadcast, but I did not. So the five biological laws are the eventually the cornerstone of dramatic new medicine, right? So the five biological laws are, let's see. Hmm, I'm not seeming to find a good, I'll find it, go to Gerbjörd Rockyheimer's uh, biography. Okay, here we go. So here are the five Germanic new medicine, the five biological laws. So the first law is what's known as the iron rule. Severe dis-ease originates from a shock event, which is experienced by the individual as a very difficult, highly acute, dramatic, and isolating event. The shock's psychological conflict content determines the location or the appearance of a focus of activity in the brain that can be seen in a CT scan, computed or computed um, tomography scan as a set of concentrated rings called the Hammer foci. That's Dr. Hammer's last name, which correspond to the location of the disease in the body. The subsequent development of the conflict determines the development of both the brain focus and the dis-ease. So what are some examples of a conflict shock? Uh, let's see right here. I got the notes. Um, so they have the moment of shock. It's unexpected. You're unprepared for it. It's acute. It's isolating. Time stands still. Nothing will ever be the same again. Tingling all over as if it was a dream. So this can be many different things. Divorce, loss of a loved one, loss of a job, an accident, a diagnosis or a negative prognosis, unexpected pregnancy, attack, loss of home, refugee, abuse, news you cannot accept or digest, hearing, seeing, touching something that causes distress, separation from a loved one, being bullied, feeling unheard, having an operation or procedure, being conned or cheated, betrayed by someone you trusted, birth of a sibling. So those are all examples of the biological, um, the first biological law, the iron rule. Number two, the phased nature of dis-ease. A patient who has not solved their conflict is in the first active conflict phase where the sympathetic nervous system predominates and which manifests as a cold dis-ease, accompanied by cold skin and extremities, stress, weight loss, and sleep disorders. If they manage to resolve the conflict, they enter a second post-resolution healing phase in which the parasympathetic nervous system predominates, commonly diagnosed as a separate, quote, warm dis-ease, rheumatism, infectious, allergic, etc. The second phase is the one that usually entails more risks and a complete cure only comes upon its completion. In some circumstance, not solving the conflict but downgrading it to a reasonably livable level may be preferable to facing the second phase. So oftentimes it's not completely and totally dissolved. It just gets downgraded where it isn't this like huge conflict that like rules somebody's life essentially, right? And just to go back a moment to the first biological law, the iron rule, this is what people would say 
following, you know, the, the conflict shock or what they call the DHS, that's Dirk Hammer syndrome, named after uh, Dr. Hammer's son, Dirk Hammer, who was, was killed when he was 17. Then Dr. Hammer developed prostate cancer after dealing with the grief and the, the shock. So here are things people would say. Abandonment, I've been abandoned. Nest separation, my home is split or broken. Starvation conflict, who will cook or provide for me? Lost conflict, I'm losing my partner. Indigestible morsel conflict, I cannot digest this news. Self-devaluation, there's something wrong with me. Identity conflict, I'm no longer a wife, who am I? So those are all examples of a conflict shock. And then if once the shock happens, then people go into this state of conflict and that becomes known as the healing or the adaptation phase. Law three, ontogenetic system of diseases. Dr. Hammer proposes that dis-ease progression is primarily controlled by the brain, either by the old brain, the brainstem and the cerebellum, or the new brain, the cerebrum. The old brain controls the more primitive processes having to do with basic survival, such as breathing, eating, and reproduction, whereas the new brain manages more advanced personal and social issues, such as territorial conflict, separation conflict, and self-devaluation and identity conflicts. Hammer's research is tied to the science of embryology because he links the type of disease progression, whether involving tissue, corresponding brain, whether involving tissue augmentation, tumor growth, tissue loss, necrosis or ulceration, or functional impairment with the embryonic germ layer, endoderm, mesoderm, and ectoderm, from which both of the organs, tissues, and the corresponding brain regions originate. Conflicts which have their focus either in the brain stem, which controls body tissues that derive from the endoderm, or the cerebellum, which controls tissues that derive from the mesoderm, show cell multi multiplication in the conflict active phase and destruction of the resulting tumors in the healing phase. Cerebrum-directed conflicts affecting the rest of the mesoderm-derived tissues and all the ectoderm-derived ones show either cell decrease, necrosis or ulcers, or function impairment or interruption in the active phase and the replenishment of the damaged tissues in the healing phase, which also can be diagnosed as a tumor. Number four, ontogenetic system of microbes. We've talked about this a lot in the broadcast, but here it comes from the Germanic New Medicine perspective. Microbes do not cause dis-ease, but are used by the body, coordinated by the brain, to optimize the healing phase, provided that the required microbes are available when needed. Fungi and mycobacteria work on tissues that originated in the endoderm, as well as on some of the tissues originating in the mesoderm. So now you're kind of understanding why they would tell us to fear these things in allopathy, because these things actually heal. Bacteria work on the all mesoderm-derived tissues and viruses on ectoderm-derived ones. Hammer maintains that these microbes, rather than being antagonistic to the body, actually perform a necessary role in healing, and that some of the interventions of conventional medicine are counterproductive by interfering in these natural processes, like let's say antibiotics, right? Those wipe out all your gut bacteria. Ajnus von der Planet said it wipes it out permanently, 1% every time someone takes a round of antibiotics. And how many children by the age of five have already been like on 10, 20 rounds of those things? Like that's why we see so many people with all these disorders, right? Because they've been so poisoned. Like when you wipe your microbes out, how are you going to facilitate the healing phase with, with your body's genitors if the body's genitors are gone? And finally, the fifth law, quintessence. 
The conflict active phase and the healing phase of diseases, as described above, constitute special meaningful programs of nature. These are biological programs developed during the evolution of the species to allow organisms to override everyday functioning in order to deal with a particular emergency situations. So therefore, according to Dr. Hammer, no real diseases exist. Rather, what established medicine calls a disease is actually a special, meaningful program of nature, what they call in German as Sinvol's Biologics Sonderprogramm, to which bacteria, viruses, and fungi belong. Hammer's GNM claims to explain every disease and treatment according to these premises and thereby obviate traditional medicine. The cure is always the resolving of the conflict. Some treatments like chemo, quote, therapy and pain relieving drugs like morphine are deadly, according to Hammer. These, quote, laws are the dogmas of GNM, not laws of nature or medicine, and are at odds with, of course, scientific understanding of human physiology. This is actually science. What they tell you is science. Of course, we know it is scientism. So that's a bit of a background right there of the five biological laws. Uh, and this is very interesting, too. I'll just read this. This came from um, Dr. Hammer's uh, page. I was saying earlier that um, he had his medical license revoked in 1986, and his Germanic medical system came into public attention in 1995, and he was charged with malpractice and imprisoned in several European countries. And he also claimed... Um, he claimed that his method was a Germanic alternative to mainstream clinical medicine, and he claimed that part of is he claimed which claimed is part of a Jewish conspiracy to decimate non-Jews. Well, let's read a little bit about this. Of course, they're saying it's a conspiracy theory. I think those of us listening um, understand a little bit about this already. So Hammer purported that his method of a Germanic alternative to mainstream clinical medicine, which he claimed was part of a Jewish conspiracy to decimate non-Jews. In this, Hammer repeated the, quote, anti-Semitic claims of Nazi physician Gerard Wagner. More precisely, Hammer asserted that chemo, quote, therapy and morphine were used to, quote, mass murder Western civilization, whilst such treatment was not used in Israel. And Dr. Hammer was accused of being a, quote, um, Nazi. And of course, of course, they would they would try to railroad him and make him look insane. Right. Hammer promoted the idea that most German oncologists are, in fact, Jewish, and that no Jew is treated with chemotherapy in Germany. According to him, hypodermic needles are used during chemotherapy to implant chips containing chambers of poison that can be activated by satellite to specifically kill patients. He proposed that the swine flu vaccination campaign of 2009 was used to mark people with those chips, and he denied the existence of HIV. I really like this guy. Hammer also believed that the denial of recognition of his theories and the revocation of his practitioner's license is due to a Jewish conspiracy. Of course, in 2008, Hammer presented a document where one, quote, chief rabbi Ezra Ewen Goetz confirmed the existence of a conspiracy among Jewish oncologists to use the, quote, torture of, quote, chemotherapy on all non-Jewish patients, whilst Jewish patients were to receive the correct treatment of GNM. Goetz, a German Holocaust denier, really, you know, an oive who's, I guess, knows something, active in the German Reich revivalism scene, has been repeatedly convicted by German courts for fraud, defamation, misuse of academic titles, 
uh, and the falsification of documents, among others. So maybe it's just one of those oives like a Roger Domergog or uh, a Bobby Fischer, right? But interesting what he's saying here about the swine flu campaign and about these chips implanted during chemotherapy that can be activated to specifically kill a patient. I mean, talk about satellites here. I'm not too sure if even satellites exist. Maybe they could be activated by Bluetooth or something else. But uh, there's obviously a reason why uh, Germanic new medicine has been suppressed, right? And why Dr. Hammer lost his medical license and why he was, you know, railroaded and made to look insane. Like right here in the beginning of this article, of course, it's Wikipedia. So what can you expect? They say it's a pseudo, um, it's a pseudoscientific approach. Of course, they would say that. I mean, why would they say anything different? They don't want us to look into it, right? So a little bit there about the five laws, the five biological laws, and then a little bit about uh, his life and um, what he knew about, you know, the world's foremost problem. Okay, moving along with a little bit more information on that. So we talked about the biological um, laws. We talked about the conflict shock or the DHS, right? Then what else do I have to talk about with this? I'm just going to do a little bit of it, like an overview today, because like I said, there's so there's so much on this topic. So here we'll talk a little bit about some of the conflicts and how they could possibly relate to the symptoms that someone's feeling in their body. And I talked about this on the last clip I did, but this is some, some more information I think is important that we all understand. So here we go. So a heart attack would be considered a territorial loss, cervical cancer, a sexual conflict, lymphoma, moderate self-devaluation, bone cancer, severe self-devaluation, shingles or melanoma, disfigurement or attack, glandular breast cancer, nest worry, Thyroid cancer, not fast enough to catch or eliminate a morsel. I also think with a lot of thyroid diseases, it also could be like just feeling like you can't speak your truth. But of course, this is talking about thyroid cancer. Middle ear infection, the sound morsel. Colon cancer, indigestible morsel. Lung cancer, death fright. Kidney cancer or disease abandonment. Liver cancer, starvation. Uterine or prostate cancer, procreation or loss conflict. Testicular or ovarian cancer, profound loss. Arthritis and rheumatism, uh, self-devaluation conflict. Skin conditions like measles, eczema, or basal cell carcinoma is separation conflict. Introductal breast cancer, nest separation. A cold is a scent or a stink conflict, like something in the air smells, just something actually stinks. Like maybe it literally stinks, but it could also be like a situation stinks. Asthma is a scare fright and um, a diaper rash, or what they call nappy rash, because this is a British, a British source separation conflict. Just so you get some ideas of, of how, this, uh, how this system works. And here's a little bit about dis-ease and how we see dis-ease from the Germanic perspective and how we see dis-ease from the allopathic uh, skexis perspective. So in GNM, dis-ease is healing, right? It's a natural process, it's meaningful. We understand it. We support it. We have the wisdom and peace of mind and the empowerment of the body. So it's seen in a very, very different light than how Big Z sees it. What does Big Z see symptoms as? The big word, of course, associated with this would be fear. We have to fight and kill. We have to focus on the dis-ease. We have to suppress it. 
we have to we believe things like rogue cells, bad luck, no control, bad genes, hormones, germs, pathogens. This is the this is the conventional perspective. And the treatment would be medication or surgery. So there's a war on the body, right? There's a war for drugs. There's a war for the body. And we focus on the dis-ease, which of course is the healing or the adaptation. We focus on suppressing the dis-ease and we believe things like, oh, it was a rogue cell. You just had bad luck. You had no control of this. Your genes are bad. Your hormones are bad. A germ or a virus caused this, right? And then in the alt perspective, they tell us that it's a malfunction. And then we focus on the cause, which is still not really getting to the root. So we focus on the cause and we aim to prevent, right? The prevention. And this kind of also kind of overlaps into allopathy. Similar to conventional beliefs, but also we believe that chemicals, toxins, radiation, stress, diet, and so we have some control over what happens. So that's kind of more of a alternative perspective. And in this, we focus on uh, avoiding certain things, boosting our quote immunity when there is no immune system. There's a lymph system which detoxes things out of us and helps us heal and adapt. And then we also focus on natural things and on diet. So something that I kind of see with some dramatic um, new medicine practitioners is that they don't take diet into account for anything. But I think nowadays we have to kind of see a little bit of leeway with that because a lot of things that people would consider to be food aren't necessarily food. Like if someone's saying like, oh, you can just eat McDonald's and everything's going to be cream cheese, like that's not necessarily food. I think something like that would veer into the toxins category more than, you know, just saying it was like actual food and food wasn't going to cause dis-ease. So I think there are certain factors here, like a little bit with food. I mean, I agree with like essentially all of this, but I think that there can be certain substances that people could be eating that are like legit chemicals and not food. And that would, of course, be the three things that aren't emotionally influenced. That would, again, be injury, malnutrition, and toxins. But essentially, if you get the gist of it, the GNM perspective is we focus on the natural process of healing and we support that. The allopathic is to fight and kill dis-ease and blame, you know, bad luck, germs, et cetera, rogue cells, use medication and surgery. And then the alternative perspective is that there was a malfunction and we focus on the cause. And then we think all these outside sources could have caused it. Not to say that, you know, toxins are, are, are a good thing. Like, yeah, we should avoid toxins, but we try to do things like strengthen our quote immune system and avoid all these things. But and that's, that's good to an extent, right? That's good to avoid toxins. It's good to, you know, eat a healthy diet, right? But does it get to the root of why the conflict occurred in the first place? It does not. So that's, that's the big distinction right there. Okay, moving right along to a couple of more things uh, in regard to Germanic New Medicine. And here is a groovy quote from Dr. Guru Ricky Hammer. So this is the sacred medicine, like last broadcast or last mini clip was called La Medicina Sagrada, the sacred medicine, the science and wisdom of Germanic new medicine. This is what Dr. Hammer has to say about so-called dis-ease. All so-called diseases have a special biological meaning. Whilst we used to regard Mother Nature as fallible and had the audacity to believe that she constantly made mistakes and causes breakdowns, malignant, senseless, degenerative, cancerous growth, etc., we can now see, as the scales fall from our eyes, that it was our ignorance and pride that were and are the only foolishness in our cosmos. Blinded, we brought upon ourselves this senseless, soulless, and brutal medicine. 
Full of wonder, we can now understand for the first time that nature is orderly and that every occurrence in nature is meaningful, even in the framework of a whole. Nothing in nature is meaningless, malignant, or diseased. What an Aryan perspective, right? It ma makes total sense that a German man would have thought of this uh, Germanic new medicine system, right? So here, just to do a little bit of an overview of what uh, GNM therapy is, understanding the five biological laws, understanding the conflict and the biological program, and therefore knowing what to expect, recognizing and resolving a conflict quickly, understanding when this is not recommended, ensuring all treatments are supportive to the biological process. So this whole modality of GNM doesn't mean that you never are going to use a treatment again. Like if you need to possibly utilize a certain herb or a certain modality, that can be supportive, but there are also certain other times where it may be too stimulating. So you have to figure that out, you know, working with someone who's skilled in this and depending on what ailments you have. Trusting in your body and the process, which is a huge thing, especially when people are feeling like something is really wrong with their body and you have no faith in your body and you're like, why is this happening to me? That actually prolongs the conflict and makes it worse. Being aware that procedures can give new conflicts, avoiding stress and fear and giving love and support, avoiding digging up old conflicts and emotions so as not to re-trigger conflicts and cause a hanging healing, like the whole idea of seeing a therapist for like decades and then re-wounding yourself and talking about the same thing over and over and over again. Understanding when interventions such as surgery may be required. And that's of course, if you're in a, a huge time of the conflict and the hanging healing, and let's say someone's got something growing so big on them that it's just, it's not gonna stop. That would be, that would be a different situation. Okay, moving along. And here's the final words from, um, from this uh, Germanic New Medicine system. Just some final parting words to kind of, you know, comprehend and get the gist of this. Remember that it is likely that all the advice we have received, whether it be conventional or alternative, is based on the incorrect premise that cancer and disease are malfunctions that are out of control and need intervention. We now need to view them from this new perspective. So how empowering is that to, to like, to take back the power and say, you know what, that wasn't out of our control. It wasn't just bad luck, bad genes, etc. Like we actually can do or feel a certain way. We can change the tide. Pretty powerful. Looking at your own family, friends, health history, working out the DHSs helps give a deeper understanding and this helps to resonate. This is totally cathartic. I'll, I'll vouch for this myself. I've been looking back and thinking about some of the things that could have caused my dad to manifest cancer, right? Like I think looking back at all this, I think the DHS that he experienced or one of them was divorce because my parents divorced when I was younger. And I think that that's one of the things that he just could not digest. And then later on, he ended up developing, you know, colon cancer, which of course, from the Germanic New Medicine perspective would be a healing, right? But of course, we don't see it that way. He was scared. He didn't want to die. And he did the cut, burn, poison. So you know, almost like when you find these things out, it's almost like finding out like after like you find you like you vaccinated your kids and you're like, wait, so vaccination is a moot talking point. Not only like do viruses not exist in the way they've been telling us, but the only reason for vaccination is to shorten our lifespan. It's like a certain amount of anger can actually come to the surface when you realize these things and you're like, oh my God, like that person was healing and we just poisoned them and now they're dead. Like 
it can, it can, it's a lot. But again, like going back to the beginning of the show, true healing is not for those who are not committed. Like a lot of this stuff is hardcore shit. Like it's, it's not for everybody, right? That's why I said earlier, like the racialism stuff, fantastic. We need that super important part of the spiritual, you know, growth and awakening. But that's just one piece of the puzzle. There are way higher layers than that. And finally, Life is hardwired for survival, growth, and procreation. It does not make sense that the body would create a substance such as cholesterol, house a microbe, or allow a process that would destroy it. That would defy nature and evolutionary logic. So essentially everything Big Z puts out there from, you know, um, cancer being bad genes to microbes causing disease to, you know, avoiding cholesterol, the body is wired for survival, growth, and procreation. The body does not you know, aimlessly attack itself. Uh, you know, the reason someone is ill is not because of, quote, viruses. It's just, yeah, it's just a totally opposite way of of looking at things, right? And like, how many times have someone been told, like, oh, the reason you have this, you know, health symptom is because um, your body's riddled with viruses. Like, maybe you're using those microbes to facilitate a healing or an adaptation as opposed to saying you're sick with viruses. See how we can we can flip the script and get to the actual true answers of things? So I think that's all I wanted to say for, for this broadcast in regards to uh, Germanic New Medicine. I hope that was easy to understand. There's a lot to this. Um, I'm still, of course, a student of this um, because there is so much to learn, but I hope that that was somewhat understandable for you to um to process and like i said i'll put that link in the in the broadcast notes or in the archive notes for danielle m bryant and her and her uh, youtube channel she's got a telegram channel and some nice um some nice websites as well and is there anything else i wanted to say for this show oh yeah i think i actually had a question that only i've actually put a whole thing up for a q a again but i only got one question from somebody and here is the question. Germanic new medicine is a gem. Just beginning to learn about it, but I do have a question about the conflict resolution. I often hear them say when the conflict is resolved, the dis-ease goes away. And I'm never quite sure what that means. For example, let's say you take a sexually abused child. One may know or have discovered what's happened to them as a kid, but how does one resolve the issue? Meditation, yoga, talking to a therapist, taking care of oneself in every possible way, probably all of the above. But sometimes, even though we may think we've resolved something, it actually could still be there hovering around somewhere in the deep, dark crevices of one's heart and soul. Briefly, how do we know if we've resolved a biological conflict? When we're 100% healthy, is anyone ever truly healthy? Well, that's a big question and a lot of possible answers for it, but I would say I guess we know we're healthy when the things that used to make us feel in a, a terrible way that were terrible when they happened, of course, not taking away from that aspect, but they don't really make us emotionally reactive. I would say that's probably the best way to figure that out. And yeah, meditation, yoga, talking to people, you know, good diet, getting sun, you know, being grateful, you know, having good community, all of these things can help with healing, right? You know, having a fitness practice, all of this can help with healing. But if we're doing those things and we're still reactive to something, I think that's when things change. I think when we no longer react to things in the same way, I think that's when the conflict is resolved. That's what I would say from what I can understand uh, going through this personally, you know, just like going through my own, you know, history, going through the history of like other people who I know in real life and just kind of what I've, I've learned thus far. I would say that, that, you know, our perception of something when we hear about it 
it's totally changed as opposed to like just, you know, maybe maybe feeling like sick to our stomach or getting into a downward spiral or falling into bad habits. I would say that that's, that's when it's, uh, it's healed. And of course, for some people, it may never happen, right? But not to say that that's going to be you. Okay, there's one more thing I want to end on, and then I think I'm going to wrap up the show because I've got about five minutes left and I'm getting kind of munchy for the bison bolognese. So here is something I'm going to end with, which comes from Dr. Melissa Sell's page um, about dramatic healing knowledge. First, you learn the concept of dramatic healing knowledge. You gather the intellectual understanding of the five bi biological laws. The psyche brain organ, the law of two phases, ontogenetic system of tissue adaptations, ontogenetic system of microbes, and the quintessence. Then you discover it firsthand through your own experience. You watch how your body works. You notice what conflicts feel like inside your mind and body. You pay attention to your experience. You observe the way you're currently thinking about your problems. You become aware to the connection between the unresolved situation and how your body is adapting. No one can solve your conflicts but you. No one can feel the sense of relief for you. Only you think your thoughts. Only you feel your feelings. Only you know precisely how you felt at that moment in time. Only you know the antidote to that feeling, the solution to that problem. Only you can make peace, let go, change perspective, etc. This work cannot be placed on the shoulders of a doctor, therapist, friend, partner, etc. It's all you. 100% personal responsibility. No one is to blame. No scapegoats. Only you know what it's going to take to feel a deep shift in your soul. Your experience is yours to mold. You can transform how you feel about anything in an instant. You can change your mind and keep it changed. It is simple, but not necessarily easy. It takes consistent effort not to live by your default programming. It takes radical self-awareness to see when you go back into patterned reactions. It takes radical self-honesty to call yourself out when you slip back into the victim consciousness. It takes persistent curiosity to observe your tracks and triggers. It's relatively easy to pop pills, take supplements, eat a clean diet, do a detox. It's challenging to see your background assumptions and the hidden inner workings of your mind body. Radical self-awareness is not for the faint of heart. And it certainly isn't. Um, a lot of these things that like happen amongst or along one's awakening journey certainly aren't for the faint of, of heart. Uh, this is the real work, but it's all worth it, right, for, to claim the title of Airy, and I think it's all worth it. It was all worth claiming that noble title. So I think that's all I have for today's uh, broadcast. Uh, I've got just a couple of minutes left here. So I think I will sign out. I thank everyone for listening to this broadcast and, um, and joining me for it, whether you're live or in the archives. Happy Easter slash Ostara to everybody. And you have just finished listening to From Trauma to Treasure with me, your host, Tabitha, on White Wellness Radio. Be sure to catch all the broadcasts over at uh, White Wellness Radio, all the mini clips, all the live shows. Follow me on Telegram and all that jazz. Check out the website. And we'll be connecting again uh, soon on the next broadcast or mini clip. Uh, wishing everyone an amazing day and amazing holiday. Okay. Satnam. <laughs>